1: Today on Barca Talk. Even if we here on the show aren't very into the La Liga in the USA project, the Barcelona president sure is. We have comments from our listeners about squad rotations. The Barca women are two for two in the Liga Iberdrola, and Barca B have had a faltering start to the year. The first team opened up their Champions League campaign with a four goal thrashing of PSV, and Girona came to the camp new and left town with their heads high. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Barca Talk. This is Brian Henderson coming to you from Buffalo, New York. And joining me from Madrid, Spain, is Gabriel Quiroga.
2: Brian, Brian, my brother from another Barca mother. Uh,
1: <laughs> Mixing I up am, the words, it still works. It still works. I'm, I'm so
2: excited, Say by the Bell style. I can't even tell you.
1: <laughs> like, well, yeah, because we're recording this portion of the show just before you're leaving town for Barcelona. Correct. I have an early flight, though. That's the only
2: bad thing. My flight's at 7 in the morning on Saturday, so i got to wake up really early. But... Finally, a little mini vacation where I'm headed to the coast to see the ocean and to obviously I'm going to show my friend around Barcelona as well. So I'm really excited for that for this weekend.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. And because of that, we're going to uh, we're going to we're going to do most of the show together. We have some news to talk about. We have some listener comments to respond to. We have one match review. We're going to talk about PSV, but uh, also you're not really going to be available to talk about the Girona match because you're going to be watching it in Barcelona and it's it's late on Sunday night so by the time that game is over you're going to be uh I'm not I wouldn't want to put you on a microphone at that point yeah we remember what happened in the Classico <laughs> right exactly <laughs> so we don't want a repeat of that and so we've been uh, we've been I've been putting out calls and we actually have a special guest to uh, help me with the match review on Girona you can stay tuned for that at the end of the show but anyway let's let's dive into some news and there's one particular item that I want to get into because uh, Sport reported on this interview that FC Barcelona president Josep Bartomeu did uh, with El Transistor on Onda Cero with uh, Jose Ramon de la Morena last week. That was like so many Spanish words for me to say in a row.
2: That was a lot lot of tildes. Yeah,
1: I'm taking a Spanish uh, proficiency exam on Tuesday as part of my Mm -hmm. doctorate and uh, luckily I can bring my Spanish-English dictionary, you can hear the pages there. Uh, anyway, but so Bartomeu did this interview on uh, on the Seto last week, and it, it's a, something like two hours long. But apparently the topic, the one topic that kept coming up was the proposed USA match between Barcelona and Girona in Miami. And that deal is still not done, but here is what Bartomeu had to say about it. He said, La Liga proposed it to us, and it seemed like a good idea. I like it. We are obliged to promote La Liga, the best league in the world, and you have to find new ways to bring in money. We're competing with the Premier League, and we have to get closer to it. Playing in the U.S. would help, but the decision is not made by me. A few days ago, Oscar Grau and Pep Segura spoke with the captains, explained the project. Above all, the television income, the project benefits everyone. There will be different opinions, but it's about trying to promote football. That's what he had to say about it. Now, of course, the great irony of this is that a La Liga match played in the USA still won't be able to be seen by a lot of people in the USA, with in currently not offered by Xfinity or DirecTV, the two largest cable providers in the country. And if you want to try to do something about that, you can go to BNsports.com and find phone numbers to call, email addresses, social media links, etc. to register your discontent. Until then I would recommend getting Sling or Fubo. But how crazy is that, that that he's talking about how the important about the importance of promoting football. Meanwhile, you know, most people in the US won't even be able to see that match.
2: Yeah, all the people in your target region, right? You know, so no one's doubting that it's not a good idea to promote, mm-hmm. right? I think it's a good idea to promote that, you know, to compete with the APL. My biggest problem is just the planning. Right. There's just never good enough planning. It's just with, for example, the Copa del Rey venue. It's never a solid plan with anticipation. And again, as we talked about, I said, you know, maybe they should have the match before the Christmas break so they have a longer layover and it's not a big deal. But no, they're going to they want to have it at the end of January where it's sandwiched in between two league games, you know, and it doesn't give enough time. It's a long trip. I want the La Liga to compete with EPL, you know, in the US to get more popular. But You just need a better plan, a better plan to implement that and to make all parties agree to all of that and to satisfy all their needs, you know, especially with the players. You know, the players are the ones that are going to be playing. And like I proposed before with this layover before Christmas, I think that would be the best scenario for everyone.
1: Right. And I mean, and I know that this is between – as far as the uh, the television issue we're having in the US that's between bn and the, those cable providers but if bartomeo and other club presidents and the executives at la liga like tebas if they really want to promote la liga football in the US they should do what they can to encourage more television coverage in the US
2: yeah it's a good point and you know or offer better streaming products internationally. So maybe they could bypass those cable uh, restrictions, you know, maybe for example, if you're interested in, in seeing La Liga that you can go directly to, you know, buy the package from La Liga and it doesn't matter where you live. You know, those are the ideas you have to think about. I I know that they get more money locally by each, each country, but these are other options they can explore to make their product more user friendly for people who can't see it on a regular basis. Again, I I think La Liga is better. The best league, you know, just, you know, I enjoy it. I enjoy um, seeing the bottom tier teams from La Liga as well. But obviously the EPL just has a super duper marketing machine and they just kick butt, you know, with their programming in the States, the way they market, the way they stream, the way they, they show the matches. And La Liga needs to catch up with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. NBC is doing a very good job here of uh, covering the Premier League. I mean, now back to as far as BN goes, my I have a wild speculation that BN will eventually lose their rights to La Liga, and if NBC has the Premier League, why wouldn't CBS or ABC be interested in La Liga to compete with that, or perhaps? Be in will become a standalone streaming service and charge its own monthly fee. Or just like you said, there's the other alternative. Could La Liga just set up their own streaming service independent of any of that? Well, that's an interesting point. I could see ESPN ABC bidding for those rights because they used to have La Liga,
2: and I think – you know, they would like to have that property. They have Syria A right now. I think they would prefer to have La Liga because obviously the marquee match of the Classico every year that gets high ratings mm-hmm. and they, be, they have the infrastructure ready to stream and do the paywall properly. It's not a new channel. Now, I would personally be sad if BN loses the La Liga rights because I think they've been kind of the pioneers in doing La Liga. And also just the way they have the soccer show. It's the—it's a soccer-only channel, and and, I, and obviously we love Phil Shane and Ray Hudson and the way they commentate on the games and their passion for La Liga. So, you know, I would definitely be sad if they lose it, but again, money talks, and it's all about the infrastructure that you have and what you can provide to customers as well.
1: Right. And so to bring this to a close, if this deal does go through and they play the match in Miami, regardless of the negative impacts that traveling that like that will have on the players – how effectively would this actually promote La Liga when the vast majority of people in the U.S. market will have such trouble seeing it? I don't think that it's going to really meet their goals. It's not actually going to work. if, if It can't be a television event as well as a live event.
2: Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, the only thing that they're going to get the most coverage on is maybe like on SportsCenter, ESPN FC, BN with their soccer shows, those type of things to get a lot of buzz around the game. But like you said, to actually watch the match, they're going to have very low figures because they're not
1: going to be able to see it. Right, and it's, it's going to lead to more, you know, pirated streams. Although, again, uh, for me, I use Sling, and I know that Fubo still has it, so that's uh, that is the best option that I'm seeing right now. If you're in a in an Xfinity or Directv zone, I've heard some people, or I, I read some comments on BN's website, uh, saying that you know you're you're going to turn into Goal TV, you're going to just be- become completely irrelevant. And I know that um, one of those companies, I think it was Comcast who owns Xfinity, uh, was was just saying that BN was asking for um, higher fees than they were willing to pay. And I don't know. There's, I mean, that's all backroom stuff. I, I'm not sure how much I, of it, I believe. I'm, I'm sure BN asked for more money, but that doesn't mean that it was necessarily unreasonable. I mean, anyway, what do you think of the, the chances that BN could become Goal TV and completely irrelevant are? Or Fox Sports
2: World. I don't right. know if you remember that channel. I don't remember I was like, that really, at all. Oh, that was that was the OG. That was like the first uh soccer channel that was on there. That's how I started watching games. But yeah, I could totally see that. Just it's such a niche channel. You know what I'm saying? Like the only reason you got it because it was included in the package, unless you're a diehard football fan and you really wanted to watch La Liga, but that's already packaged in with the sports package. So you didn't have to do extra. Right. And I just think there's just not enough people are clamoring to get BN onto those channels, you know, if it was the EPL, maybe there's more. And that's part of the reason. And so unfortunately it could happen that they become gold TV because that is their, that is their jewel, you know, La Liga is their jewel. And if they lose that, they're just going to have, you know, Women's, motocross yeah. and, you know, sailboat racing and these type of, you know, <laughs> international random sports, you know? Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Obviously the, the La Liga is their, is their flagship. All right, well, well, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, again, nothing is has been actually decided yet, um, and apparently it's not up to Bartomeo, but he's in favor of playing the match. We'll see if they actually do work that out. Now, if you have a comment for the show, you can message us through our website using our uh, Facebook Messenger, or you can just message us directly on the Facebook page, and you might get your comment on the show. Because this last week, we were asking you, Are there any new rotations you'd like to see from Valverde? And we got a couple of really good responses. Craig in Swansea, Wales said, Personally, I would love to see more of players like Longley, Arthur, Alenia, and most of all, Malcolm. Giving our front three a break against the weaker teams is essential for them not to burn out, with only Munir as a backup. Rakitic played so many games last season and in the World Cup, I fear for his legs towards the end of the season too. So Craig wants Malcolm to get some more time as a way to give the front three a break. I would say that Munir should still get the occasional start for the same reason. And uh, Malcolm's recent injury delayed that, of course. But I think I think we will start seeing Malcolm more in the coming weeks now that he's back from injury.
2: I mean, let me ask you this. Who would you rather have as like a second half substitute for Suarez with 10 minutes left in the match, Munir
1: or Malcolm? I think I would rather put Malcolm in at this time. Yeah, but i'm just too. saying that like if if the idea is just to you know rotate around and give certain players a break and keep them fresh i think either of them can do the job of course right now we're all much more excited about malcolm because he's younger he's newer he definitely has an exciting direct way of playing and he's a little bit more unknown, so we're more excited about him. Whereas Munir, we have this little shadow of disappointment because he's had his chances at Barcelona. He didn't really deliver on them, we, so we don't have high expectations of him. We aren't excited by him, but he can still play. I have a big shadow of disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looming, very large, Camp Nou-sized shadow. <laughs> I mean,
2: I I just I'm just more excited about Malcolm's style. I think his physicality, for example, just to be able to hold up the play, I think would suit us as a point man, you know, in that four three three, but that's where we're at. And so just like Craig said, I just think that's imperative that Malcolm or Munir gets some more playing time so that Suarez doesn't burn out. But more importantly, I just hope Rakitic's legs don't fall off because man, that guy has played so many minutes in this last calendar year. And as we saw in the PSV game, he did get subbed out, but I think he just needs a, a break here or there to not even play. Uh, I know Valverde has so much confidence in him in the, in the midfield, but we we have Vidal, we have Artur, we can we can we can expel him for a game here or there. Uh, for example, at the Girona match, you know. For example, like. Let's We're at home, so use Vidal to give Rakitic a break. I mean, he just played during the international break. He barely had any time off on those legs, and we really need him at the end of the campaign.
1: Yeah, and I, I agree completely on, on all of that. I think he Rakitic has been doing such a great job, but he needs some relief. So thanks for that, Craig. Now, David in Newcastle, Australia, said, uh, Rotations I would like to see is more of Arthur. Clearly from the comments of the Brazil manager Tite, He values his talent, as well as comments from Messi, praising his ability. And then he goes on to say, The less popular rotation I would like to see is Denis Suarez. When he has played, he hasn't been that bad, in my opinion. And back last season, when he was given the number 6 shirt, Xabi himself said that Denis is his natural heir at Barca. I think if he had a run in the first team, he would get a chance to shine. It would be interesting to hear your thoughts on Denis now that he has come back from injury. Also, I think it's obvious, but I think Luis also needs to be given a rest and an opportunity for other players to make their claim for a first-team spot with either Munir coming in as a direct replacement or perhaps Malcolm when he gets back from his injury and moving Messi to the center. And I have to say, I I agree with David when it comes to Denny Suarez. He's been injured since uh, late July, but he just got cleared by the medics to return to training. And he still has the number six for the year. That's not a guarantee of any kind, but it shows that there's still some confidence in him. And I think he will start playing more soon. And David and Craig are clearly operating on the same wavelength when it comes to Malcolm, although it does seem David is uh, maybe a little bit more open to Munir playing than you or I are. But the opportunities that playing Malcolm, for example, uh, creates for giving Luis Suarez some rest that also changes up how Messi can operate.
2: I mean, I I would compare Luis Suarez almost as a running back in the NFL, for example. You know, you have such a limited shelf time, right? And then you basically fall off the cliff very quickly just because either you're just not as fast enough, um, the goal production goes down very quickly. And I just think by giving Luis Suarez just more breaks between, I think, just will reinvigorate him, keep him fresh because he's such a physical player. You know, he's such a physical presence in there holding the play. I think he'll he'll really persevere from having that rest and just being that much fresher. You know, if he plays three games in a row and then has a break, and just putting Malcolm up there, Munir. I just think in the long run for this whole season, his production is going to maybe be better because he always, I just feel like he's always getting knocked, right? How many times we always see him on the ground or just, you know, he's always getting knocked. Right. And obviously when you get older, those knocks just don't heal as fast, you know, it's, you know, it's just nicer. It's nice to get that break. And if it's a set schedule, something like that, where he can, where Val Green can fit that in somehow, then I just think if overall Suarez would have a better year and just, be that much stronger at the end. And the other thing too is let's have these youngsters push them a little bit, Mm. you know, especially let's say if Munir starts to get more playing time and he starts to look up, you know, starts to be more productive than, than Luis in those minutes, then all of a sudden that kind of gets, Suarez's fire going a little bit so he has to be sharper you know because that's really what it is it's it's almost like a lack of focus or lack of lack of sharpness on his passing his movement again as we've documented in in the earlier the season it's almost as he plays his way into the season right he doesn't really uh, you know, as we said, he with his hand passing and his hand shooting, right? right. So, <laughs> well, to so, bring it back yeah.
1: to David's comment, though, uh, what are your thoughts? Because the first name that David mentioned is Arthur, and I think I, yeah. I think we both agree that we'd like to see Arthur play a little bit more in the in the coming weeks and for the remainder of the year.
2: I mean, I think you know when you have a club like this where we have three distinct competitions, I think it's imperative that those players uh, who don't get that much playing time have the starting roles for the Copa del Rey the whole season, no matter what. Right. I think Artur, Vidal, Linglet, like those players get that. Now, obviously, if there's an injury, um, then they get it moved up as well. But I also want to see Artur get that more playing time as well. He's still young. You know, he's still young. But as we saw, he came into the PSV match and was able to get his first minutes in Champions League. So, you know, Val Green is doing some more substitutions, but I just want to see complete replacements in the match before the match, you know, I don't want to just see the minutes at the end of the match as well. So I see I'm selfish. I'm selfish.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now. Okay. So David admitted that this is a less popular rotational idea, but uh, I, I support him and I agree with him, but what do you think about Denny Suarez? Uh,
2: I just think he should just be used for Copa Dore. Yeah. I uh, Unfortunately, I just, I think he still kind of needs to work his way up even more. I think he's further down the ladder than Artur. You know, I think our tour is going to get more playing time than Denise Suarez is. I would like to see them maybe work together somehow in the Copa del Rey, maybe some four-four-two action or something where we can utilize both of them in the midfield. But I just think Denise, uh, especially last year's performance, where, you know, a couple of times um, he was asked to score goals, you know, he missed those opportunities. And I just think uh, Val Green has more confidence using our tour, especially since he signed him and wanted him, uh, you know, for this season.
1: Right. Okay. Fair enough. Well, thank you for that, David. And remember, send us a message through the Facebook Messenger, either on our Facebook page or at BarcaTalk.net and have your comments read on the show. After the break, Barca Women, Barca B and Messi adds another hat trick to his long list of achievements in the Champions League. Get commercial-free episodes, special bonus episodes, and Barca Talk merch by becoming a monthly supporter. Just follow the link to Patreon in the episode description. The Barca Women took three points from Espanyol in a 3-0 win, and we'll have a full report on the women next week from Michelle Taylor. Meanwhile, Barca B are starting to find their footing in Segunda B, and here, with a report on that, is our Barca B correspondent, Max Blewer.
3: Barca B have had two games since we last spoke. A 1-0 victory over Sabadell on Sunday, the 16th of September, and a 0-0 with Peralda, Jorana's B team, on the 16th, both in Segunda B. Having sat through all 90 minutes of the Sabadell match, your correspondent can confirm that it was absolutely diabolical. Seems the B team learnt something from the senior guy's recent performance at Anoeta as this was another game that could be described as a disappointing victory. At the very least, it must have been disappointing for those poor souls who paid good money to watch it at the ground. Luki Puig, the young starlet with magic in his boots and pressure on his shoulders, was surprisingly left on the bench, and as a result, Barça's midfield was shorn of much of its star quality and penetration. Carlos Alenia had a go at fixing this when he came on, but his rustiness made it clear that he needs many more minutes to regain full match fitness. The first half in particular was a non-event, with Sabadell ceding possession to a Barca that had 74% of the ball in the first 45, but found themselves floundering against the host's tightly packed and well-organised two lines of four. That said, such extreme amounts of possession meant that the goal defended by Joaquin Esquieta very rarely came under threat. Dominating possession can be a defensive tactic just as much as an offensive one. The second half was a little more entertaining, as Sabadell pushed up the pitch and sought to put the Barca goal under sustained pressure. But there was very little in the way of chances created by either side until the 72nd minute when our striker Rafa Mujica controlled and spun away from his marker in one swift movement but put a shot just wise. The breakthrough came in the 74th when Juan Miranda put in a devilish low cross from the left that was deflected into his own net by a Sabadell defender. The young left-back is really growing into his role and he looks set to see minutes for the first time this year. Yet things were looking dicey when Esquieta was forced into a flying save in the 87th and victory looked to have been snatched away three minutes later, when Sabadell left-back Valentin wheeled away in triumph after flicking in a free kick at the near post, only to be called back by an incredibly marginal, if probably correct, offside decision. Barca clung on, though, through a combination of luck and defensive nous that has been missing so far this year to claim their first three points of the season. Aside from the victory, there were a few other bright spots in what was not a great performance overall. Perhaps the most exciting was Alineas' return to competitive action. Although he looked rusty, his presence seemed to spur on his teammates while Esquieta looked very assuring coming out of his box to deal with Sabadell breakaways, as any Barca goalkeeper would have to be. The nil-nil against Paraldo a week later was scarcely any better. Actually, it was worse as Barca Bay didn't manage to eke out the goal that would have won them the game. There were a couple of interesting tactical points though. Regular keeper Esquieta was offered the big boys for their Champions League game against PSV, and he was replaced by young Montenegrin Lazar Sarovic, who kept a clean sheet despite some late pressure from the visitors as they looked for a winner. For the first three games of the season, Garcia Pimienta had rotated the centre-forward position between Abel Ruiz and Rafa Mujica, with the wings occupied by Balu and Ecuadorian winger Kike Saverio. This time, though, both Mujica and Ruiz started, with Ruiz pushed slightly to the left. The most exciting tactical change, though, was the appearance of two of our favourites, Buiga and Alenia, on the pitch together for the first time this year. Ricky played in the midfield three, and Carles started out on the right, but constantly cutting into that glorious left foot of his. Even with these new tactical variations, the team was stodgy, and it wasn't until Baloo came on, who incidentally is fast becoming my favourite, and tore things up with his pace and trickery, that the game started to come alive. Four points out of six to the boys, which after beginning the season with two losses is certainly not to be sniffed at. Yet the team is struggling to find its feet playing with the men, against players who are playing to pay off their mortgages and put food on their kids' tables something that is cited weirdly often by players when asked about life in Segunda I guess the point being that Saoel's centre-backs will quite happily kick the so-and-so out of the likes of Dikki Puig in a way that just doesn't happen in youth football they really need to be brave if they're to survive in this division not the bravery to withstand kicks from ugly semi-pro defenders though that'll help too but the bravery to still demand the ball even at a higher level than you're used to and even when your back is against the wall hopefully these two clean sheets are the first steps in a learning process that will undoubtedly last a whole year just as a side note Your correspondent was very excited when my fellow countryman Marcus McGuane made his season debut against Sabadell. He only played a couple of minutes and barely touched the ball, but it was still a nice moment for him. Proof that Pimienta still has him in his plans. Barcebe's next game is away to Conquense, which will already have happened by the time you hear this, before two home games in a row against Olot and Atlético Baleares. Hopefully the boys can sort out their rubbish home form from now on and start to head out the table.
1: All right, well, cue the music. Your favorite tournament has officially gotten underway. The Champions League and Barca played PSV Eindhoven in their first match day in the group stage at the Camp Nou with a very good result of 4-0.
2: You know, I do love this competition. It's my favorite. It's my favorite yearly competition, right? However, (laughs) uh, for some reason, I just didn't realize they were staggering the times this year, and I completely missed the match. Ah so I had to watch it I had to watch it after because you know here in Spain the matches always start at eight forty five, and all of a sudden I was about to teach a class and then I had my phone and it just says the SCB game is about to start I was like haha what
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny joke you just made phone yeah I, I
2: had it I had to take a double take and I said oh man are you kidding me and sure I went on Twitter and I was like loving this staggered start yeah well it's fine if you know about it yeah exactly in principle obviously the stagger starts great when there's this many matches because then obviously it gives more uh viewing opportunities to see the other matches but for me personally i i I got screwed but
1: anyway right
2: uh, i did watch the match eventually and again you know this is my favorite theme song you know it's my theme song for my upcoming wedding that will probably never happen that's right uh but yeah i'm excited And, and of course we're in a tough group tottenham inter and psv so i was really looking forward to this match um, because you know, obviously, starting at home, starting with the campaign, and to see what uh, you know, we knew we were going to start our strongest eleven for this match.
1: And sure enough, right? And sure enough, we did.
2: I mean, we started in a four-three-three with uh you know the, the usual cohorts. You know, yeah. Ter Stegen and Goal, Alba, Piqué, Untiti, and your boy Sergio Roberto. Yeah. And then midfield Rakitic, Busquets, and Coutinho, and up top Dembele. Suarez and Messi they need to come up with a code name for Dembele Suarez and Messi you know like we have the MSN they need to come up with something
1: right yeah the the DMS the yeah or the OLL or something I don't know <laughs>
2: <laughs> but these, these don't these don't mean anything <laughs> the LOL line I don't the know LOL, yeah. <laughs> but yeah so Valverde definitely uh rolled out the strongest team possible which is you know obviously is great because you know PSV is a very formidable opponent they had nothing to lose so
1: yeah and looking back to the previous weekend uh in their last La Liga match you know he he had made some rotations so that he could have this lineup
2: yeah and the other thing too I noticed too you know in that last match we were able to get those two kind of scrappy goals you know from Suarez and Dembele and you know some people noticed, oh Messi wasn't really didn't put his thumbprint in that match and I just kind of I think he used that as just kind of the warm-up for this week because obviously with his performance in this match was just out of this world again. I mean, a hat trick, right? A hat trick, another hat trick, right? And not only that, but just the way his passing. I mean, again, his passing is just, I mean, what can't this guy do, you know, on the <laughs> field? It's remarkable how he is able to find those passing lanes. And, the, you know, it's one of those things, uh, for example, Magic Johnson, right? The the Hall of Fame Uh, basketball player for the Lakers. Yeah. One of his best attributes was that he was so tall, right? He was six foot eight, basically, that he was able to see the whole field and see those passing lanes. Messi's the opposite, right? He's like five, eight, five, nine, if that, right. And to be able to see those passing lanes, not basically above, but kind of like below, it's right. just outstanding. You know, it's just, it's incredible. Right. It's like, he's down on the grass. He's exactly. Like... Exactly. He's down on the grass right there, you know? And <laughs> I mean, those passes, those through balls and you know, the link up play he was able to develop. But again, um, you know, there wasn't any major changes. You know, if I were to say to you, Brian, like what is our strongest eleven? This, this, is, is this is what it is. This, this is, is it. A-
1: absolutely it. You know, do you think maybe Messi has cameras in his boots and then it's broadcasting through some sort of cortical receiver so that he just sees it in his eyeballs.
2: I think maybe he has like one of those partner drones that goes in front <laughs> so he can get like a 360 angle of every possible angle, you know. With
1: a cloaking device. It's rom exactly. it's romulan technology. <laughs> exactly,
2: exactly. So yeah. <laughs> Going into this match as we talked about, we this is what we predicted basically this would be our strongest 11. There wasn't any really surprises and yeah, so you know this it was Obviously, we got the 4 nothing victory off of this, and it was a good, strong, you know, strong foot to start our campaign with not allowing the goals and obviously gaining the goal differential.
1: Right. Well, let me interject here uh, a sort of sub-segment called Know Your Opponent, because if you don't follow the Eredivisie, and I wouldn't be shocked if you didn't, uh, you might not know much about PSV. And so uh, they've had a perfect season in the Eredivisie so far. They've racked up five wins in that Dutch league. And uh, they were just as dominant in their Champions League qualifying tie with Bate Borisov. They won 3-2 and then 3-0. So that's a little bit about PSV. And Mark van Bommel is their manager, The uh, I think a, a somewhat notorious defender. I remember he was in the uh, Dutch World Cup final squad against Spain. So he was up against some sort of familiar competition in a way. But in any case, um, for this match, as far as their lineup and formation went uh transfer market called it a 433 and in fact they've considered every formation from PSV so far this year a 433 of some sort but what i saw on the pitch was more like 4222 when defending long like when when things were a little more open and then compressing into 442 in the final third still keeping those two forwards more advanced uh because of course they were looking for the counter and they were trying to create two outlets Uh, potentially for those counters but still they were just getting torn apart in that final third uh, despite compressing down and getting into ranks of four and all that Uh, they gave up a lot of chances in the first half and it was really only because of some I'll call it poor finishing from Barca that PSV were not scored on earlier but then they gave up that free kick in the perfect spot for Messi and he put it in the goal
2: yeah, so you had a good point with the formation of PSV. So like you said, on who scored they had the 4-3-3. I was reading another tactical report that said it was kind of like a hybrid Four two three one at times when they were on defense because they wanted to overload the the midfield to really have that kind of numbers against Barcelona. Again, like we always talk about, opponents who feel inferior to Barcelona are always going to pick either we're going to go all attacking or defensive shell and counter. Right, so they kind of went into the defensive counter. They were able to have two outlets and you know they were able to have uh, counter attacking opportunities, but again, their poor finishing didn't allow a goal again so this has kind of been the topic that we've been talking with the last matches that these teams that we've been playing with the really nice counter because of their poor finishing and Terstegens saves we've been able to win these matches so i hope this is something that is just more of a lack of concentration rather than tactics or schemes that their other teams are really following but again let's just talk about this first goal with Messi.
1: all right (laughs) I'm open to that. <laughs>
2: yeah, so the so the, fir- the first thing that I, that I noticed and that other people that I read noticed as well was the counterattack of how fast Ter Stegen got the ball from the goal kick to Dembele. And Dembele went coast to coast with peanut butter and toast, right? To the <laughs> other end, right? That's what he did. And basically, he was able to take on the defenders because they had just done a counter, so most of the midfield was sucked up. So Dembele was able to seize that opportunity and take it, and then he got fouled. And of course... As we talked about, as a left footer, that is the that is the prime location for a left footer, the distance. And when I was following on Twitter, when I was supposed to be working, <laughs> uh, people were already saying this is this is prime location for Messi. And sure enough, he did not disappoint. And again, for me, this goal is so impressive because it's not a hard shot. I mean, it's hard enough, right? But it's perfectly placed. And not only is it a perfectly good place, it hits the goddamn side net. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't, the only way you can do that is to throw it. You know what right. I'm saying? Like throw it from that side. And oh my God, when I saw the replays and everything, I was just, I can't, you know, it's funny, Brian, when I used to play football, uh, sometimes if we didn't have enough players, we'd play four on four or five on five, something like this. And we would just bring the goals in closer. Sure. Right but how you had to score was side netting. Right. So either if you took a shot, you had to hit the side net cleanly or headers and volleys were open. So obviously everyone was always trying to hit the side net because they didn't want to use their team essentially. Right. Right. (laughs) And this, this goal just reminded me of my playing days when I had to hit the side net because that thing just, it's like a swish in basketball, the way it just hit it perfectly out of the goalkeeper's reach. Now the other thing I don't know if you noticed this, Brian, was the setup of the wall of PSV.
1: Did I did notice, notice that like, it was so yeah. strange with Lozano crouching down behind the wall. I thought exactly. he was trying to trip one of our players or something, pull one of those uh, you know cafeteria jokes. He was not. He
2: was not right. <laughs> <laughs> no one. No one pushed him. Right. Right. So no- <laughs> But, um, you know, I read that uh, Van Bommel, you know, had studied the free kicks and obviously just didn't want Messi to take advantage of the low free kicks. So he had on line up, which I thought it was strange because the referee kept telling him to stand up. I, and there's nothing in the rules that says you can't crouch down behind the wall. No. He's behind the wall, so he's fine. But, of course, they put PSV, put the tallest guy in the middle. And it, when you watch the replay, it's just we talked about this in the last episodes. He's becoming a top three free kick ticker. Career-wise now, yeah, this is just another stat that is mind-blowing. I mean, I was trying to find on Twitter, I put it out to people, but no one really responded. There is actually no really good career list of free-kick takers. The number one is Juninho, who used to play for Leon, the Brazilian. He was awesome. He has 77 free kick. When I saw some of the other numbers, they were from last season. They were around 40 for Messi. Obviously, he scored a couple already, so I think he's closer to 44, 45. But now that he's getting so many more opportunities, I think he's climbing up that chart even faster than than we thought or previous thoughts. So now, man, with the passing, the finishing, and now the free kick taking, it's just...
1: (laughs) Yeah, and not only that, but I think last year I was looking at a stat of the you know his uh, sort of like his free kick average right like the ratio of goals he's scored to attempts he's taken on free kicks and he and and that Portuguese guy are career-wise far and away above everyone else playing right now and even historically they're they're very impressive as far as ratio but this last year and it's continuing this year Messi's uh, ratio I'm just guessing here off intuition, I think it's gotten even better.
2: Yeah, because he's actually practicing it and really applying his mind (laughs) to this, you know, (laughs) I think before it was just kind of a novelty thing, you know, like, I'm gonna take the free kick. And but now with so many opportunities that he's having, he's like, these are free goals that I can take. And I think he's just really practicing. I mean, you can see just with the accuracy. And every time he lines up, you have a feeling in your stomach, uh, this has a really high chance to go in, you know. And most right. of the time they either hit the bar or the goalie has to make an amazing save, you know. Right. And so it's just another thing that he has in his arsenal that just puts him above all of the players.
1: Well, it's like Rakitic said after the match, uh, he gave gave the uh, interview and he was saying, you know, when Messi lines up to take a free kick, you don't, you, you, you go to where you're going to celebrate it. You go to where you're going to celebrate the goal. You don't line up like it's not going to go in. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I mean, I told you uh,
2: last Saturday when I watched all those matches on Saturday, I watched the Liverpool Tottenham, watched the Barcelona game. I watched the Valencia game and the Manchester United game. And outside the Barcelona game, everyone else that took free kicks, I never had the feeling that they were going to come close. Or I just thought it was a hope and a dream that it may come close. But every time I see Messi line up and you see him measure, especially outside the box – with that perfect left foot angle, I mean he's either he's coming so close to hitting them, and and now it's just it's it's ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Now I'll, back to PSV's defense because in the second half, I have to say that PSV were also keeping their defensive shape more in the second half. They were remaining disciplined because they could have been scored on a lot more than just four goals. Honestly, had they not stayed disciplined, but they did, uh, and they were keeping us out actually for the most part then they were too spread out when Dembele suddenly turned and made that run on goal, made a really quality finish from just outside the box. And after that, in the last 15 minutes, uh, they just couldn't maintain.
2: The thing is, I I think they're just so familiar with Barcelona's attacking style because they play Ajax, which is very similar in style as well. So I think for them, they could mirror that game plan that they, that they do for Ajax, that they could do for Barcelona. Again, the whole thing is not whether you can defend Barcelona is just how long can you keep the water out essentially, Right. (laughs) Because I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to really. Right. Because our attacking is just so prolific. We were coming at different angles, especially with the four guys, right. With Coutinho, Dembele, Suarez and Messi. We're coming through the middle, the side crosses, you know, and you can defend for so long, but finally, you know, it, it just, it's, it's, it's almost an impossible task. Right. Especially if you're not scoring. especially if you're not scoring right and like we said psv's counters they weren't able to finish and so that just keeps us in the game to eventually get that that first goal to lead and then with that we can just start playing with more confidence right so as soon as we got that messy goal we started passing better we started really looking and we kind of kept the ball away from psv again their defense did a good job of stifling us but again you know with Dembele's goal, his moment of brilliance, you just can't defend against that.
1: Right, and then after that, they kind of broke down a little bit. Now, you've had uh, your criticisms of Valverde's conservatism, uh, particularly with you know how we're trying to build up and score goals. How do you think they played in this match? Because they got four goals, which is great, but I also think that PSV weren't the most formidable opponent. They're clearly a good side. They deserve their spot in the Champions League. But uh, what do you think about in this particular match that how's how's his conservatism uh, working for you at this point
2: it's weird because yeah we got the win and we got four goals but again there's just a couple of things that to me that I think are missing especially with Messi's placement I just want to see him in the center of the park to be able to play make and maximize that right I just think he would be so much more dangerous if we had someone occupying that right space except like Dembele for example the other thing too is that our defense right behind the midfield and the defensive line. We're just giving up way too many opportunities and which is rare because, you know, Val Val green really stresses that defensive mindset and conservatism and we're giving up all these opportunities. So that needs to tighten up. Right. Again, I'm, it's still early in the season. So I'm still waiting for the things to fall into place and to really see what we're capable of. And especially when we play tougher matches, I'm happy with the victory. Again, I like we always talk, I always harp on, I scream to the Mountain Toms, I just want a different formation to maximize our talent and our spacing. Right. Now, the 4-3-3, this is fine. As people have noticed, I noticed on Twitter as well, It's just it just looks a little disjointed. I mean, what does it seem to you?
1: Uh, it does at times feel disjointed, but mainly the thing that you have brought up about space and trying to exploit more space and in the width of the pitch, I'm seeing that. I'm still seeing them come in fairly narrowly. And see, in my mind, I imagine Dembele on the right and Coutinho on the left in a forward position rather than, you know, left midfield. That's what I see in my mind. And I see them all the way out, like on the touch lines rather than the fullbacks being more on the outside. Cause that's what Valverde has been doing. He's had Jordi Alba or Sergio Roberto more on the outside with Dembele or Messi working inside. But I think if we can get Messi more centrally, put Coutinho on the left, Dembele on the right, and put them far out and have the fullbacks when they come forward to come in more. That would be strange for Jordi Alba because he's so accustomed to playing more on the outside, but I think Sergio Roberto would be very good cutting inside and playing that way out wide to Dembele and something like that. So I, I completely see what you're describing. When you describe Messi in the center and Dembele out on the right and that sort of thing, I can imagine how well that could work. Um, so, but yeah, they've been, they've been more narrow than I would like, and they could stand to try and work on becoming wider in those, uh, in that final third, especially with the forwards.
2: Yeah, you have a good point. And, you know, in peps 433, I've, I've watched and listened to Henri and he was, he always discusses this. He said, you know, we always kept our width on the system. And as soon as we hit the box line, you know, going across, then we cut into the goal. So Like talking what you said with Dembele and Coutinho, they could just cut in the middle and then you can still have those overlaps by the fullbacks. So I think that would be great too. But the thing is, I just don't know what you do with Messi because, you know, with like I would personally put him in the middle of the park and have Dembele and Suarez as top strikers and just kind of work with that. But obviously you're seeing a little bit in the beginning of the match messi's on the right then he always cuts in gets the ball in the center and just kind of always plays that left side the other thing that uh, I was reading about and other people have noticed as well is like well I haven't noticed I, I this is something new for me and when I was watching the match I kind of was able to spy on it and look at it is that Dembele was playing more center like you said more narrow to play more combo play with Coutinho and to keep the Alba overlap going through right. and so I think that you know obviously he scored a an amazing goal, right? One of the best career goals for Barcelona. So up to date, but I just think also we're lacking that space and his speed that he can utilize and make us even more dangerous.
1: Right now you mentioned Ter Stegen and I want to take a minute to talk about the Barcelona defense because generally their biggest concern defensively was being prepared for the break when they gave up the ball and dead ball situations because PSV were not going to outplay them in possession or build-up play. And they definitely had some fires to put out, but P.K. Umtiti, Alba, and Ter Stegen all came up big when they needed to. On those counters, the one defender who was not necessarily there uh, was Sergi, because he was always in a more advanced position when they gave up the ball and suddenly PSV were on the counter. So his defensive work on those counters consisted mostly of Tracking back and stepping into the center when PK would come out wide to shut down the angle because those counters were coming down the sides mainly. So aside from aside from Sergi, I think the entire back four. Well, aside from Sergi and but also Truszkiewicz, <laughs> <laughs> we're just coming up big in 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 those moments because they were getting a lot of counter chances. And that's the thing that we have to limit,
2: right? And that's kind of the yin and the yang, right? So if we possess the ball and we do so much tiki-taka, we limit those opportunities, but then aesthetically it's just boring, right? So it's kind of like, what do we want? We want to have those scoring opportunities, but we don't want to have 80% possession, right? But again, we have to do something to tighten up that defense because as we noticed in the Real Sociedad match and in this match, these teams are just getting way too many opportunities against Pique Inumtiti on their back feet, one-on-one using their speed right and luckily we were able to have terstegen who made those saves but also for the defense to come back and help and support again it's still early in the season so i'm not overreacting yet you know if this was april then i'll be like okay come on you, right you've had all season to tighten it up but i just think it's just the beginning of the season and especially these players know that there's so many games that they're working their way mentally to get to that point. So you brought up some good points. I just think that, again, we were lucky enough to not have these goals against us because the quality of their strikers of PSV and Real Sociedad are not as good as other teams. So I'm curious to see if, when we play a tougher team, how those counters hold up and if we actually get down a goal or not.
1: Right. Now, we we talked about Messi's free kick. We talked about Dembele's goal. And, of course, Messi got two more for the hat trick. And if you had to choose between one of those other two that Messi scored, which was your favorite? Well, before we get into that, I think we should talk about the Dembele goal a little bit more because oh, okay. we, we
2: just kind of, we just kind of passed over it. Right. right? Like <laughs> the, he, he, the he turn. Like, yeah. He scored. Yeah. I mean, but that that turn, turn was, was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, there was two things in that turn. He was able to, you know, pre pre read what was going to happen, right? Where the defenders were going to come. Coutinho gave him a nice, firm pass, and he was able to use the momentum of that ball to turn. And then, obviously, just the finish, right? The finish was absolutely glorious, right? Outside corner, lower, unsavable. So let me ask you this. Is, is this your favorite
1: Dembele goal so far? So far, yes. Now, also, did he take that with his right or with his left? With his right. Oh, my God. Yeah. So yes. he is equally lethal with both feet,
2: Correct. Ah! Correct. And, and he, was able to, he was able to push the ball perfectly in front of the defender to get a good strike with his, you know, with his stride. You know, I'm glad he came last season because basically last season was a wash. He was able to get accustomed to the training, the players, the environment of what it is to be in FC Barcelona. And now, you know, it's amazing what you can do when you're just so comfortable and not thinking and just playing. Right? I mean, we saw in the early games last year. He must have had so many things going on in his head, and he's so young, right? Everyone is expecting so much, the language, the culture. I'm a new star, this and that. And now, man, he, especially in this goal, he just looks like he's floating, right? Yeah. Just on ice. It just kind of just hits that. And look at how many goals he's already had so far. right? And they've been brilliant goals, you know? Yeah. And with that kind of um, contribution, that just makes Messi and Suarez that much more lethal because now you're going to have to scout, and you're going to have to really defend the
1: yeah. Now, well, actually, uh, I'll, I'll summarize a couple of caveats that you've made. One, it's early in the season still. Two, uh, Dembélé is still young. But even with those in mind, I know that you have a little bit of beef with Dembélé concerning uh, him losing the ball. I do. I mean, that's the one thing.
2: That's the one thing he needs to work on. I mean, for all these flashes of brilliance stuff, he still needs to be more fundamentally sound when holding the ball knowing when to take that chance on the one V one in the corner and when to pass and go. I mean, that's still, you know, it's one of those things as the La Masia players know how to do that, right. That's kind of ingrained. He's still kind of developing that, but he did lose the ball a number of times. And that's still, because especially when he loses the ball, trying to make the most amazing through ball, Right. Right. He has to know the odds. Right. Of that happening. Right. Like are the odds in my favor or not? I'm not going to take that pass. But again, I don't want to silence that brilliance at all, too. You know, it's kind of that double edged sword. I, I just want him to be, you know, for example, let's say in the 50th minute. If he's in the corner and two people are coming on him, just take the ball around and work it around. You know, just keep the possession, because a lot of times when he loses the ball where he is, that automatically starts the counter for the other team. And then all of a sudden they're able to have a shot.
1: Right. So that's one small complaint we have about Dembele. But again, there are those uh, those qualifiers, right? Like he is still young and, and it is still early in the season. But that's something that we're going to be uh, watching from him as the as the campaign progresses.
2: Let's talk about those messy goals. huh?
1: Eh? Yeah, let's talk about those <laughs> messy goals. Back to that question. So,
2: I mean, he just had another hat trick. I mean, what
1: did he you do? know? It's just it's, <laughs> it's normal. It's normal yeah. for Messi to score hat tricks.
2: So this is 44 Yeah, yeah. So, and also his sixth in the Champions League. Right. Yeah, so, uh, just again, just gaudy numbers. Again, one of my biggest complaints about the U.S. coverage of La Liga, right? So, I listened to ESPN FC and the Ringer podcast, and what did they lead off with? Tottenham, (laughs) uh, Liverpool. You know, Messi has a hat trick. I mean, that should be at least one or two, you know? You know, the the 77-minute one was a very nice play. Obviously, the pass from Rakitic, it was just like a street ball kind of a play where he spotted Messi coming through the center, and Messi just one-timed it and hit it low, and the keeper didn't even move. I mean, he hit the ball early. The keeper did not even move, and it was just an unsavable ball again. So Messi again with just another perfect time run, and he was able to find the lower corner. What did you think about that goal?
1: I loved it. That was my favorite. I mean, that
2: you know, the thing, too, is that your boy Roberto – Uh, didn't find Suarez early enough. If you would have found Suarez a little bit earlier, like a millisecond earlier, I think Suarez would have had a really good chance to hit a shot on target. But that ball got deflected, and it kind of started a bouncy ball where Rakitic just hit it to Messi, and Messi was able to hit it. So good. And then the second goal in the 87th minute, I mean, again, Suarez, one of his uh, unique hand passes. You know, (laughs) (laughs) it finally came through, you know, after so many tries in the match, you know.
1: You can and, just hear uh, the the slap of, of like, exactly. a ham exactly on the ball.
2: I mean, it was a good buildup, too. I mean, the buildup was good. They were working it around the midfield. Vidal was touching it. Artur was touching it. And then they were pretty high up the ground, you know, up the field a little bit. Suarez was able to do kind of a flick through ball pass to Messi and obviously Messi. I mean, it's one of those things, Brian, like when maybe you're playing against children or something as an adult, you're able to really look up in the moment when you're about to strike the ball on goal. I mean, because you're just running so fast, it's really hard to kind of do all those things. I mean, it's only when you're on a really good one-on-one, you can take the time to look up and spot. And on this goal, Messi was able to do that. I don't know if you watched on the replay, Messi looks up to the left and just like, that's where I'm going with it, left corner. And he just he just guides it in for his hat trick. Right. I mean, just, just a thing of beauty. So the pass from, the nice hand pass from Suarez and obviously the equal finish by Messi, just calm, cool, and collected.
1: Like he is. Exactly. Now there was one unfortunate occurrence in this match where Umtiti got sent off on two yellows, the first one for descent and the second one for a cynical foul. So he'll miss the next match against Tottenham.
2: Cynical, cynical, cynical foul. And I unnecessary.
1: Mean, totally unnecessary. I mean, we
2: talked about this, you know, when to foul and when not to foul. I know that this player could have had, a, you know, they could have had a more dangerous opportunity if you'd let him go. But at the same time, more often than not, you just have to ride him out. And usually the defense will come behind and you can cut the angles and just be smart about it. He should have done better with that. It was lazy defending. I mean, the good thing, though, is that Linglet's going to get some playing time. Unfortunately, it's going to be at Wembley Stadium against Tottenham. It's right. going to be his kind of first kind of baptism by fire. So, Welcome
1: to the Champions League. <laughs>
2: exactly. Uh, hopefully, obviously, Val Green will get him some early playing time, maybe the match or two matches before to get him accustomed. But again, just know when to foul and the opportunities. You're up for nothing. There's no, I mean, if it's 2 1 and it's a home and away, maybe but this is still group stages and it's not, it's not the end of the world. You know?
1: Right. And we were already three goals up at that point. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So like, what are you, what are you getting out of this?
2: I'm always, I'm always super impressed that when we have 10 men down, we can still dominate possession. Yeah. I I still can't get over that. That's one of those things that as a player, when I used to play and we were a man down, that meant you're screwed. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically everyone just goes back and, You're not going to score. It's going to be super difficult, especially if there's 20 minutes left in the match that you've already played the majority of the match, right? But I'm just always super impressed that Barcelona are able to play with 10 men as with 11, with able to you know continue the passing and the possession. Yeah.
1: Well, just we the way actually, they can circulate the ball is exactly.
2: It's, it's, it's one of those unique qualities that we can do when we're down a man. So, but again, TT for how good he is as a defender, that was just a really kind of a concentration type of play where he just of conference concentration.
1: Yeah. So now looking forward, of course, next match at Wembley against Tottenham, you've mentioned that you are not particularly frightened or worried about Tottenham. Uh, do you think that not being able to play MTT is going to affect this much? You no, know, I ain't scared. Cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I am, No, I, especially since they lost at Inter winning the match. I just think Pochettino, the manager for Tottenham, just still is doing too much rotation. He's almost doing too much rotation for that team. He didn't field his strongest 11. They have a really good player, Lucas Mora, who is super speedy. He didn't bring him in until the second half. Again, these are these type of things. He's, he's, I think he's wasting opportunities and the team just looks tired. They all basically played in the world cup as well. And they haven't had a break essentially. And they're essential. They're so essential to that team. And we know how difficult the premier league is week in and week out. So uh, I'm not scared because I just think with our talent, you know, our attacking talent, they will not be able to defend and they're not a strong defending team either. So,
1: all right, well, I look forward to that. And I think at this point now we have to let you go because you've got to prepare for your vacation. you got to get going to Barcelona. I have to
2: prepare my my hammock. Oh, what is that? <laughs> I can't even think of it. I have to prepare my, my banana hammock swim trunks, you know, right. to go to the beach, get ready to go on the town of Barcelona. So I'm going to go tomorrow, Saturday. So All right. I will. I'll talk to you soon.
1: Next up when we return, a wild match against Girona in La Liga, and we have a special guest match reviewer while Gabriel is in Barcelona. Alright, we're back. So, with Gabriel in Barcelona and unavailable to record after the Girona match, we reached out to our Patreon supporters to find someone to fill in potentially, and luckily, Zach Jansen was able to do the job and he filled in admirably. Uh we had a lot of fun talking through this match. So here's the Girona match review with special guest Zach Jansen. Well, thanks for doing this, Zach. It's a pleasure to have you on the show and I'm looking forward to you know see what we uh what we come up with talking about this Girona match.
0: Thanks for having me on. This will be great. Uh a <laughs> little bit of a crazy match to start with. <laughs> it was
1: it was a glass cage of emotion. So so we're talking about Girona La Liga match day 5 in the Camp Nou. It was a 2-2 draw in the end. And before we get into all of the the madness of it, let's go back to the beginning when just before the whistle blew, right? We had a lineup and it was a it was an interesting lineup. Uh there were four changes from the midweek match, right? So Semedo, yeah. Lungley, Arthur and Vidal were in the starting 11. They were rotating in after, you know, the uh, the midweek match against PSV. And for me, Semedo, Longley and subbing out Rakitic, like not starting Rakitic, I can mm-hmm. see because we understand that Rakitic is probably his legs are made of rubber at this point. But what did you think yeah. about Coutinho being left out? So,
0: this was actually a really interesting starting lineup because it was very close to what I actually had written down oh, like wow. yesterday. Um I had, for my starting lineup, I kind of agree with Gabriel when he says that our strongest lineups are 4-2-3-1 yeah. uh, with Catinho and Dembele in. I don't know what Valverde has against playing that style. I think it's just his conservative mindset. But I had Alba, Longley, Untiti, and Roberto just to only have, I only like rotating one defensive player on that back line. Um, especially when he's only played one or two games. Semedo, I think, has been struggling the last few games, so I was kind of thinking, give him a rest, let Roberto come in, because, like you, I have a a strong man crush on Sergi Roberto. Oh, you too? <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: nice. I'm in good company.
0: Yeah. Good old Sergi Blue Eyes. Yeah, he's great. He's, he's just solid. You know what you're going to get from him, and I think his link up with MTT is great. And then in the midfield, I had kind of... Three different options based on. I think Artur had uh, gastroentinitis or something like that this week. So he was questionable, but I had Busi and Artur and then possibly Vidal in the midfield. And then I had Dembele, Messi, and Coutinho playing up front, and then Suarez or possibly Munir. So the lineup, I was glad to see the rotation, but. Of course, because of the game, everything just kind of <laughs> went to crap, <laughs> right? Well,
1: before that, so you, so even before yeah. that, in the beginning, you felt like it was maybe at least on the back line a little bit too much rotation,
0: yeah, yeah. With uh, you know, just with the Semedo and the way that he plays, if you're going to have him push up, I feel like we don't have any rotation for Alba, and him and sumato play similarly, so. If you're going to rotate the entire midfield and have a solid back line that you know you can count on because they're, they haven't played together a whole lot. You know, Busquets is always solid, but Vidal is still finding his form. Artur is young. He is probably out there trying to impress, you know, make a statement for himself. And then when you're swapping out Coutinho, which was very interesting, I was really surprised to see him not in the starting lineup, but I heard some kind of things before the game about Valverde talking about him. So it was – I don't know if you had heard that no, at all. No, what was that? Uh, he basically was saying when Coutinho was in, it was sort of his roundabout way of saying like he kind of messes up our shape because he doesn't track back as much.
1: Uh-huh. So
0: it was almost kind of a message to him that he needs to track back a little more what about you what were your thoughts on the lineup
1: i thought it was i thought it was a great idea i had no problems Mm -hmm. with the starting 11 at the beginning of the match
0: (laughs) yes i loved the rotation and then it was just everything went to crap (laughs) yeah and
1: even starting somato because i'm i'm in the camp that is um well you as i'm sure you've heard the last many weeks i my love for Sergio Roberto has wanted to see him in the midfield more, but yeah. I've also come to accept that he's he's a, a great right back for us, and he's obviously our first choice. Yeah. Samedo so as a backup right back or as a second choice right back, I think he didn't make a whole lot of his first two chances this season. I think he did do better this time, so I was happy to give him a third chance. Mm-hmm. But I also had similar feelings about both him and Longley in the mm-hmm. back four along with two changes in the midfield. I yeah. I would have been happier with maybe one change per line. Like yeah, one defender, exactly. one midfielder, one attacker rotation. Uh but, you know, all in all I thought it was it was a good lineup,
0: right? Yeah, especially going into the match thinking it's Girona, we just beat them 6 to 1. We can do more changes and that obviously wasn't the case. <laughs> we should, yeah, we should be fine. But no, it was yeah.
1: not the yeah. case. Well, Girona, you know, they they have had a bit of a spotty start. They came in with seven points mm-hmm. in 11th place, and they were coming off two wins. Their last yeah. loss was on match day two to Real Madrid. And Eusebio Sacristán, we it's, it's worth pointing out, former teammate of Valverde, former mm-hmm. dream team player under Cruyff. He just came on this year, and he's been playing various lineups, most of them in a more attack-minded mode. Yeah. And this lineup had some flexibility for him, with Muniesa able to get forward and to drop back and defend. But, you know, they generally took the defensive approach, went looking for good countering opportunities, and they are really good on the counter. Yeah.
0: Uh, I haven't seen Girona this season. I watched the game last year, but, I mean, my... Not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but my if I'm honest, my man of the match is on Girona. like right. Like Porto played out of his mind, or Porto, like, it was ridiculous. He was everywhere.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, he really did. He probably should get man of the match, although on B and Stuani got it. But that's, you know, it's just like... Because he's got
0: the goals. He's got the goals, yeah. It's yeah.
1: Like, never mind the other 20 guys. Never
0: mind that Porto <laughs> ripped it off the crossbar, which then set up, you know, uh, Stuani, and it's like... right. <laughs> But look look one layer ahead <laughs> yeah
1: exactly but so okay talking about this match it, i can't talk about this match without thinking of it like like narrative like it was such a mm-hmm. such an interesting sort of arc to the game right because yes. uh they call it a game of two halves and this was one of the better examples of that mm-hmm. the first half up until long lays red card was one game and after it was yep. just another game entirely and even the back third of the game, I think, was completely different. True, true. Yeah, there was uh, quite an interesting uh, denouement. <laughs> but but not really. It wasn't really a denouement. Anyway, yeah. let's start with the first goal by Messi. It was in the 19th minute mm-hmm. with the assist coming from Vidal. Vidal gets the ball from Samedo, did really well to muscle his marker off the ball, turned. And I just love how he put it into the space right in between Girona's lines. And Messi mm-hmm. just ran into that space unmarked for an unmarked attempt and I'm sure that like me you were feeling pretty comfortable once we scored that first goal
0: yeah the way that they were playing with Messi that's kind of the you know perfect spot that Messi could ever get the ball anything where he can run onto it he's right in the middle of the field and it was interesting because Vidal was struggling a little bit in the beginning of the game with his possession I think he's still trying to figure out you know that Barcelona way of keeping the ball but it was a perfect example of what you get from Vidal is it's like Paulinho, but a little more finessed. Yeah. Uh, the way that he got that ball and just shielded the guy off, had a guy hanging on his back and was still able to, you know, keep it and then lay a perfectly weighted ball to messy. It, it's just, that's the kind of dynamic that we don't have when he's not on the field. Someone who's that strong and that technical and can go from box to box. Um, he, I've seen a little bit with Bayern Munich, but, I'm still trying to learn how he plays, but it seems like he, you know, can kind of adjust to whatever we need him to be. Whether it's a box to box, or it's a more offensive, or it's a little more defensive. But I think it's just working on his possession. He seems to just kind of still figuring out that link up play with everyone around him.
1: Sure, and that's that's on. part of joining a Barcelona squad, right? Is mm-hmm. really kind of getting in into that. But you're right, he's he's a real kind of utility player as far as a midfielder goes. He can be any kind of midfielder you want. He has finesse, he has strength, and he mm-hmm. has good positioning generally. Uh, he's also He is very attack-minded. Even when he's sitting back mm-hmm. and he's taking on more of a holding or a defensive role, he still has attack in his mind. So yeah. I, I think ultimately he is good for us. And he he, he proved it in this play.
0: He was great. Uh, Just seeing those little flashes, I think, were nice from him. Um, I think Busquets is a little more, not reserved, but he has a different style of waiting for his chance. And then once he gets it, playing that Barcelona style of the passing and incisive passes, whereas Vidal is sitting back, almost always waiting to jump a passing lane, get an interception, and then turn it into a counter right away. So it's a little bit of a slight tweak between those two, but it's nice to have. Right, absolutely.
1: But then, in the 35th minute, Longley Longley gets a red card for elbowing Pirapons in the face, which was decided by the referee with Mm -hmm. VAR. And it was a really disappointing debut start for Longley in that sense. Uh, I do think that the ref got it wrong. His arm was raised, but it didn't seem deliberate or malicious to me. It looked purely incidental, and even Pons didn't seem too worried about it.
0: No, he came over and kind of, like, even patted him on the back and said, everything's cool. Yeah, like, we're, we're, we're good, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he even award, The referee at first even awarded a free kick to Barcelona. I still think La Liga is figuring out bar. Like,
1: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they really aren't sure how to use it yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think a good rule and I don't think that La Liga is following this, but I do think that a good rule would be to you can only watch it in real time. You can't you can't slow mm-hmm. it down or speed it up for that matter. Just watch it at at real pace and see what you think as a referee. But yeah. and I don't think they're doing that. I get the sense that they're allowing for like slow motion because when you slow things down, everything looks more dramatic and intentional yeah. than it really was.
0: I saw a still that BN Sports put up that they were commenting on at half where it, if you took just that still, it looks like he's just you know like <laughs> WWE elbow to the face, and right? It like, looks
1: like they're fighting <laughs> like
0: bad, yeah, yeah. But, it's like no, he's falling and it just happened to pull through,
1: yeah. <laughs> so that that changed everything so yeah in the 45th minute of the first half stuani gets a goal to equalize valverde had been waiting for halftime to put Umtiti on at it or it so it seemed right mm-hmm. busquets had dropped back to fill in and they just they suffered for it because the ball came in for stuani busquets didn't break up the play uh whereas you think Umtiti probably would have and stuani yep. was there to put it in
0: yeah i think watching it a couple times when it happened was and they just mentioned it before it happened was Busquets it's sort of like the Mascherano problem that he would have is when he gets pushed back in the center back he he doesn't adjust to that position very well he looked lost he's trying to figure out what to do because when he's playing that center defensive mid he's his own you know, player out there. He knows what he's doing. He's not relying on another, you know, like a line, like a defensive back line. He can just go where he needs to be and absorb the game as it goes. But when he's got to drop back, he got stuck between, does he drop back to cover Stuani or does he go for the cross? And PK was thinking he was going to drop back and let him come right in. And at that point you're, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> like, right. You're stuck between two minds. Yeah. I forgot what to do.
1: You put yourself in no man's land and you know, you pay for it.
0: Yeah, and a good, I guess, good
1: finish from Stuani, though. You got to hand it to him. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, the cross by Adai, I had him written in. His service this entire game was unbelievable. The crosses he was putting in were just perfect, like lifted right over a player, dropping it onto a guy's foot. Yeah, he, he was impressive this whole game.
1: Yeah, and I think overall, Girona are a better team than their current record would reflect. I think they're going to be stepping up and doing doing much better this year but that's a bit of an aside but anyway yeah, uh, yeah. not surprisingly Girona came out swinging in the second half really trying to capitalize on their numerical advantage but they really still couldn't hold on to the ball they were actually giving it up a lot mm-hmm. uh, which was encouraging for me but then stuani strikes again in the 51st minute mm-hmm. scoring on the second ball in this breakthrough play where Terstegan initially made this great save but Stuani was there to score on the rebound. Terstegan, I cannot talk enough about him.
0: He is his reactions are unbelievable. Like that first stop, then the header, then the fifth minute that he stopped. It was just like he w- he couldn't do anything more on that play. No. Speaking of two different halves, PK had a very different first half than he had second half. He was also put in a bad position with Longley being sent off. And oh, sure. when you have Semedo and Alba bombing up the wings. You're putting even more pressure on him, and I think in the first half, Longley was looking to him for his outlet. Like whenever he got the ball, Longley was instantly like looking for PK. And without that, Umtiti's getting thrown into a really bad situation. He's just trying to hold on, and pK's doing everything he can. But it was it was just sloppy on the back half, and someone missing a you know through ball, and, and then it's just ping ponging all over the place.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and Barcelona were noticeably, I think, rattled right Mm -hmm. after Girona's second goal. But they did keep pushing forward, and then Valverde really went for broke. He put in Rakitic and Coutinho. He took off Vidal and Arthur. Totally changed the game. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then they won two free kicks in just as many minutes. Mm -hmm. Messi's first hit the crossbar, and then the second was on target, but Bono slapped it away. And then finally the equalizer came out of the corner um, Mm -hmm. on that second free kick, And that goal was just a model of tenacity, right? Just multiple attempts in in seconds. (laughs) And PK happened to be the one who finally put the equalizer in the net.
0: And Messi's the buildup to that, even in those small little, it's not a build-up the entire field, but just that buildup within the 18 box of Messi, Coutinho, Coutinho up to Messi, Messi into Suarez, Suarez up in the air and PK just fighting and then redeeming himself. And it's like, holy crap, what just happened? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it goes from like zero to a hundred. And then it was just like one of those, like I think Gabriel was saying, and we always talk about is this, that was a goal that Barcelona would not get last year or the year before that it's just one of those winning dirty type goals like you got to grind it out get what you can and put it in the back of the net
3: right
0: can we talk about how much of a beast suarez was this game yes he has had in months easily
1: (laughs) he's i mean honestly for me up until long lays ejection and but even after not to as, as high a degree but especially in the beginning, I felt like the whole team, but especially Suarez, we were looking really sharp. There was just so mm-hmm. much more tempo and so much more one-touch passing going on yeah. among the whole team. But yeah, Suarez, man. The ham foot disappeared. <laughs> just gone. He put his ham up on the shelf. <laughs> yeah, overnight, just gone. I Took mean, out his I'm... golden slipper <laughs>
0: <laughs> instead. I mean, his link-up in the beginning with Dembele and Alba, he was dictating that front line like Messi does most of the time. And I was like watching the first, you know, 15 minutes before the long lay red, I was like, okay, they're all firing on cylinders. We're going to be fine with all these changes. And then after that, even still him just pushing forward, trying to get shots, some of the outside shots he was ripping from the 18. I was like, where has this been? Like, instead of constantly trying to play little one touch in between so he he was unbelievable today. He was my man of the match on Barcelona's side, you know, if it wasn't long lay overall. Right. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then those last 15 minutes were just it was just full on offensive for mm-hmm. Barcelona and Coutinho had a couple of opportunities where it was his shot, you know, the shot that yeah. we know that's his that he was that just, bombing shot coming in from the sideline to the yeah, top of the 18. <laughs> yeah, but they just, he wasn't getting them in, and we were just coming at them with everything. Mm-hmm. And in the end, we just couldn't find a winner. Well,
0: that's what I thought was interesting is then, in, you know, when Rakitic and Coutinho came in, the game kind of changed, and it didn't turn into you know, the back line trying to play defense, it turned into our midfield and our front three were pressing so hard as soon as they lost the ball. I don't think Girona got the ball in their attacking third the last 25 minutes. And it was all from how much our midfield was pressing whenever they lost the ball. Coutinho getting the ball back. Rakitic, that guy is so underrated. He just totally calms the ship anytime yeah. he comes in.
1: <laughs> and we know how good he is. But overall, yeah, yeah he is he is underrated. You're right. And I was just uh, it was just a bummer that we that we couldn't really get get that winner because it certainly wasn't for lack of trying. I mean, my my final take right at the end of at the end of everything was down a man. They Mm -hmm. played, I thought, beautifully, valiantly. They gave it a lot of extra (laughs) effort. They really went for it. So in the end, it was, it was a draw that I can live with.
0: It was, I mean, when we went down a man, it was almost like, you know, some eighties action movie, like, Oh, now it's a fair fight. <laughs> 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 so right. Like We're okay. But give credit to Kirona. They were, their counter was on point. Like they were really good today, not sitting back and trying to just, you know, play for the tie, but, yeah, the end of the game trying to get free kicks, Messi just missing on a couple of them, but just really pressing for that ball and trying to get that final goal. It's crazy that it, it didn't come through, but like you said, I, it's a it's a draw that I can live with.
1: <laughs> yeah, because you know, we certainly didn't give up on it and it was there were a lot of really good attempts, close attempts, uh things that in on any other day should have gone through, right? Like mm-hmm. like no one made uh any serious mistakes or anything no uh especially in those last minutes where they were just really going hard at him uh, yeah I, I felt like everyone was doing everything they could and they were doing everything pretty much right and it was just that that little extra something just wasn't quite there
0: yeah do you think it was because
1: messy shaved the beard well you know <laughs> what's really funny is that i was prepared to talk about the beards <laughs> before the PK match
0: too Totally exactly. took me by
1: surprise. PK, yeah, he looked. He, he got his little boy face back.
0: Yeah, I was but, like, "Oh, where's that been?" Yeah,
1: <laughs> and then like so many things happened. I was like, well, "Maybe we won't have time to talk about the beards." <laughs> yeah, the beardless wonder. Yeah, <laughs> be in with the the infographic of how many games Messi played without a beard and goals scored versus with the beard.
0: I've never seen cosmetics built up so much before a match.
1: well I think there's something with Messi anything that happens seems significant
0: oh the leg tattoo when that happened the leg tattoo when he
1: went blonde yeah and that was after that really bad Copa America loss where it was like oh he's like reinventing himself or
0: he's trying to leave it all behind right he's a changed man fresh start
1: (laughs) I think maybe he and PK just went to the barber together and like you know what I'm tired of the beard
0: you know what it's hot it's 90 plus in Barcelona right now we're just gonna gonna take it off yeah we don't need this (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> but so it was a draw we can live with and then the next match is actually coming up very quickly. Uh we're going to be going to Madrid on Wednesday to play Leganés. Now this should be a different situation than Girona because again Girona were playing with sometimes even when they were defending and pressing with three men up top, really looking for some outlets for that counter. But mm-hmm. Leganés have had a really bad start so far. They've had four losses and one draw. And mm-hmm. I think we should still see more rotation for that. Game. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if Malcolm and Denny Suarez both start in that match. Maybe even Juan Miranda coming up from the B team to fill in for Alba and give him a rest. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That was the one thing I was wondering is if we would bring up Miranda or, Spell Alba and before this match, I was thinking we would spell Suarez, but now I'm like, no, keep him, keep his form going. If he's going to play like that again, we can ride that as long as we can. Yeah.
1: <laughs> or at least, yeah, at least give him like another match to do that again and then maybe give yeah. him some rest or, yeah, something yeah. like that. But uh, this is this on S match coming up. This is another one that on paper we, we I mean on paper we should have won against urona but that's a very different animal from leganes they're mm-hmm. they're really having a hard time whereas urona they're more like trending upward so this is another one though that on paper we should absolutely win and knowing as we do that rotation should be so important for us this year thinking about all the competitions we're in uh, we should see maybe a couple different rotations in that next one or at least just a continuation of that practice
0: i think uh you know urona has a little bit of an edge just it being, you know, this new Catalan Derby that is kind of picking up steam since they've been up. I don't think anybody expected them to be up this year. I think they expected them to kind of drop back down. So S, it's like take this lineup, put it in that game. Totally fine with it. Swap out Malcolm. Denny Suarez would be great. I don't think we've seen him. How long has it been since Denny it's, Suarez has it's played? A while, but he, ha- he did
1: have an injury, so
0: that's true. But yeah,
1: it's it's been a, it's been a minute. Since, since yeah, it's been, it's been a hot
0: second since then. has been oh yeah, quite hot. <laughs> what did you think? I thought this was interesting. Kind of a side note before the match of Rafinha being left off the team sheet after his game last week.
1: Well, the thing with Rafinha for me is, um you just he he has no guarantees. Yeah, totally. And at this stage, he could be left off the squad sheet for the remainder of the season. Wouldn't shock me. He could mm-hmm. be on the bench and just not play wouldn't shock me and, yeah. or he could play occasionally. I mean, I think we're, we're going to see Rafinha mostly in the Copa del Rey.
0: That's what I was thinking. I, the only thing I was wondering was the situation that I think he was in last week was not great. And, you know, catering to him where he's playing with a whole new midfield. If you were to play him with a Busquets behind him right. or a Rakitic behind him, it would suit him so much better where, I was looking at some things and seeing people's reactions and that's kind of, I think the general consensus was like, he wasn't put in the best situation, but it's just an interesting side note with him. And now Carlos Alenia being healthy, he's on the team sheet now or on the first team, not the team sheet. So right. there's a lot of interesting pieces being floated around. <laughs> right. And
1: yeah, we could even see Alenia against Legones potentially. That would be cool. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Will Zach, thank you so much for filling in for Gabriel. I think you did a great job. We had a good time. It was, it yeah. was nice.
0: Yeah, it was great. How do, Crazy how do you feel? <laughs> I feel good. It's like kind of craziness wearing off. It's like all hyped amped, but now it's like, all right, next game, next game yeah. will be fun.
1: Well, that's, you know, it, that's why it's good to talk. Yeah. You know, we <laughs> talk can out our process emotions. through what, what we're, what we're feeling. Yeah. Thanks for having
0: me on. This has been great. Uh, having a little after game convo. Like yeah. you said, helps helps get all the emotions out. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Zach. Yeah, yeah. No problem.
1: Special thanks to Max Bluer and Zach Jansen this week. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and music by Brian Henderson, social media, and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. We can't make this show without you, the listeners. To see the premiums you get with a monthly contribution of support, follow the link to Patreon in the episode description. Visca Barca!